So, Matt, I don't think I've ever told you about this, but every day when I walk out of my house to go get my mail, I get hit by this stupid bicycle every time. It It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> cute. Very cute. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) Alright, everybody, here we are again. Matt, you doing all right tonight, brother? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good deal. Good deal. We're uh, drowning in rain here, I think. It, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. My garden is doing fantastic. Yard's doing good, but I feel like we're living in a rainforest the past few days. Oh, yeah. It will man. not stop. And you know me. I'm an outside guy. I want to be outside. I want the sun shining. I, I need that. Well, I can't. So I've just been stuck in a house doing uh, house modifications and playing guitar and working on the show. So yeah. I got to get I, out. I, yeah. And, and all that rain it will head our way. And mm-hmm. this is, I guess it, it can't be too bad. I mean, this is the weekend that I I have to move my daughter back home oh, from yeah. her apartment. And, uh, I wasn't going to get to work and play out in the yard or in the pool or any of that other stuff. So yeah. It, it, it'll all work out. Of course, having to move somebody out of an apartment in the rain is not the mm-hmm. most fun either. Well, that that's but. when you tell her, look, you're on your own, sis. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> Dad can't get wet. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like a gremlin. <laughs> yeah, uh-uh. It don't work that way. <laughs> all right, so... uh we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. We're proud to be members of the Podbelly Network and proud to be associated with the shows that are also members of the Podbelly Network. So go over there and check them out, podbelly.com. I guarantee you, you're going to find a show there that you will enjoy. And I don't mean us. You're already listening to us. So. <laughs> right, if you're hearing this, you already enjoy right. us. Well, Enjoy our friends. You at least tolerate us. So. <laughs> Maybe you'll find a show that you don't just tolerate, and you'll find a show that you actually like on there. Um, but we also want to thank tonight's sponsor, Care Of, and we will talk more about them coming up in the episode. While you're on the internet doing your thing, go to patreon.com slash graveyardtales. You can sign up to become a patron. We've got several different levels that you can choose from, and each one has its own kind of benefit there. Um our $10 a month patrons, though, they get the video versions of us recording the episodes and they get video versions of the bonus episodes that we do. Plus, something we started just a couple months ago is they get an ad free ver- audio version of the episode as well. So if you're interested in any of that, go over to patreon.com and sign up to become a patron. We could not do this show without our patrons. They, they have kept us going because we have equipment failures and yeah. stuff. And if it wasn't for the donations of our patrons, Matt and I probably would have canceled the show four times already from equipment <laughs> failure. 
just pulling our hair out, screaming and <laughs> throwing dead mics and interfaces across the house and cussing. And but thanks to our patrons, we just were able to update it and keep going. So it's like it's like having a room full of uh, inkjet printers. Yes. You know? Yeah. You just you just want to take a sledgehammer to it eventually because mm-hmm. you're like, why won't you just work? Yep. And <laughs> audio equipment, any of our fellow podcasters out there are probably laughing right now because they understand audio equipment and recording equipment is so fickle. You've got to yeah. be standing on the correct foot and holding your tongue in the right position when you turn it on. Otherwise, it's not going to, oh, for some reason, it's not reading my microphone today. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't done anything different. Why are you not reading? So that little recording rant there, I apologize, but. Our, uh, like I said, our, our fellow podcasters that are listening are laughing and agreeing with us. So, yeah, but it's you, our listeners, that allow us to overcome this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Matt. So, let's talk about one of our longtime sponsors, and that's Care of. Now, Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. Health is deeply human and it has to be personal. So Care Of is there to help you find what works for you. Care Of's app, they have an app as well now, which is cool because when you and I first signed up for Care Of, they didn't have an app. So they've added this new app and Care Of's app will help you build a holistic routine and track your progress over time. Plus you can earn rewards from sticking with your health habits. All you got to do is take a short, in-depth quiz about your lifestyle and health goals or a personalized doctor-backed recommendation. The quiz can be taken at any time to switch up your packs as your lifestyles and needs change, which is cool because it it doesn't force you to be stuck with this because, as we all know, your goals can change. Uh If you meet a health goal, well, then you don't want to stick with that. You want to evolve into it so they allow you to do that and take it again oh yeah and now with with an app it makes it so easy to take that quiz and and see what you're what you're taking what they're recommending and understand it which is you know that's part of it is actually understanding the supplements that you're putting into your body Mm -hmm. and why you're doing it care of makes that so clear as to why they recommend those so it's a critical tool if you're like Adam and myself and you enjoy uh, taking supplements to better your health. And with with summer travel coming up, I mean, I know Adam and I both have, have trips planned. Care-of makes taking your vitamins on the go so convenient with the daily packs that come right to your door. And Care-of's daily vitamin packs are made with plant-based compostable film which you know if you've listened to the show you know that's something that adam and i both you know do we 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 love to be able to compost we love to you know have that enriched soil to use in our gardens and with our plants um the vitamin pack is compostable film so it helps limit the impact on the environment without compromising the quality and safety of the products that you're getting so when when I went on originally and and I took the quiz, one of the recommendations because you know there are times where I just I don't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you kind of get down and you, you lose focus. And Karov recommended that I start taking ashwagandha. Oh, I love that stuff. I, and so so I did. I said, okay, you know, the, we'll, we'll go with it. And I started taking the ashwagandha. And pretty soon I, I started noticing that those down days were not coming as frequently. And I was feeling better. And I, and I had more energy in the morning. I was sleeping better through the night. For Karov to recommend that and it really make a difference in how I felt, it's, I mean, you, you can't beat that anywhere. No, and I, it's funny because they recommended that for me as well. And it was, I, I noticed, like you said, with the energy production, it helps not get that mid-afternoon crash that you normally get. That ashwagandha helps sustain energy throughout the day and like you said it's it's a mood booster it's helped me not go about a lot of things you know so that's right so if you guys want to quit going about all this stuff all you've got to do is go to takecareof.com and enter our promo code grave 50 that's g-r-a-v-e five zero and you'll get 50% off your first care of order. That's right. For 50% off your first care of order, just go to takecareof.com and enter our code GRAVE50. That's G-R-A-V-E-5-0. Remember, 50% off your first order. Do it. So, Matt, that's all I've got for the housekeeping. So why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight, brother? So tonight we're, uh, we're headed over to your backyard. Yes, sir. Literally Um, almost. This was, uh, this is a cryptid that, um, had a, had a very short run, but it's a really interesting story. Mm -hmm. So tonight we're going to discuss the Lake Worth monster. Yep. And I mean, I, I had not heard of it before. I'm sure if like Adam, if you, if you are from Texas or you grew up in that, in that Dallas Fort Worth area, then you probably have heard the stories. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Lake Worth monster, it's the, the goat man, the Lake Worth goat man, the Greer Island goat man, you name it. It had all kinds of names, but we're going to get into the story. Uh, of the event that occurred and what followed. Uh, but we're going to look at a little history of that area as to why this, uh, this may have happened. Right. And it, it, it didn't happen like last week, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's been a little while, but I mean, that kind of tells you how strong this legend is, is it's still around. Right. Right. He is an old man now, but uh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) So, as we always say, go check our sources down at the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found this information. You can continue the research, and, you know, you you might find some stuff on there that we left out just for time's sake, or you might find a new nugget that we didn't even find if you continue down the rabbit hole here. So, like Matt said, the Lake Worth monster is a satyr-like creature, and it it terrorized the city of Lake Worth there in Texas in July of 1969. So before we get into the the sightings and all that stuff that Matt's going to talk about, we need to look at the area. And 
look at kind of what what the area is like where this creature was seen so we can get a good idea especially of what might be there so mm-hmm. when we start talking about it you can say oh well it's definitely not that and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll look at it here so lake worth village it was previously called indian oaks and it's an incorporated residential community near the banks of Lake Worth. So Lake Worth is a lake there, and I'll get into it more, but it's a lake in Fort Worth. So if that it was confusing for anybody, you're like, I've heard of Fort Worth, but what is Lake Worth? Lake Worth is a little bitty thing on the outside of Fort Worth, and it's named after the lake, which is Lake Worth. So at Fort Worth, this is not in my notes, but... Fort Worth was named after a fort, Worth. There was a right, fort yeah. named Worth. So if you're confused, you're not the only one. I confused <laughs> myself. So like I said, it it's on the banks of Lake Worth, on the outskirts of Northwest Fort Worth, on State Highway 199 in northwestern Tarrant County. And Tarrant County is a county that borders Dallas County, which is where we're at. So it's literally almost my backyard. It, it's I, I meant to Google search and get an exact Just number. Just see how close. Yeah, get an exact distance. Have you ever been there? Uh, I have been near it, but I have not gone specifically to Lake Worth. We've been in Fort Worth and been around it. Yeah. But yeah. we've never said, okay, let's just go over to Lake Worth. But I am now. We're going to go yeah, now because yeah. we go to Fort Worth quite often. So it wouldn't be a, a big deal to say, I got to go monster hunting for like 10 minutes. Let's go over here. And- <laughs> we, we go out to a drive through out there in Fort Worth. So after the drive through, we'll stop by Lake Worth and see if he's out there. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, he's yeah. at the drive through. I don't know. <laughs> you look over and there's the Lake Worth monster sitting in a pickup next to you. And you're like, hey, man, that's cool. <laughs> Now, in the mid-1920s, the property of George T. Reynolds was sold by his widow Lucinda as a subdivision that was named Indian Oaks. So that that was the initial property for Lake Worth was this property that George T. Reynolds owned. Can you imagine owning enough land to turn it into a whole town? Yeah, no, that would be Even a small town? I, I would love that. Now... Uh, adjacent to Lake Worth, Indian Oaks became a popular residential and recreational spot during the late 1920s and the early 30s. It offered a, a casino play, a dance hall, a boardwalk, and a popular club called the Showboat. So it was a happening place when it first was built. Now, the Great Depression ended the recreational nature of Indian Oaks, but after World War II, The residential neighborhood grew, and in the early 1950s, residents decided to incorporate and change the name to the community, or change the name of the community to Lake Worth Village. So the majority of the 2,000 residents worked in nearby Fort Worth because there wasn't many, like, businesses to work Mm -hmm. at in Lake Worth. There were some small businesses, but if you didn't want to work at a grocery store or corner store or something like that gas station, you went and worked in Fort Worth. So the population steadily increased with business growth in Tarrant County. 
So in 1990, Lake Worth Village had a population of 4,591. In 2000, the population increased to 4,618. So, 100 people or so, <laughs> less than 100 people. Well, I mean, that probably means that there's not a lot of turnover there. Yeah, that's exactly um, it. You get... You, you you get young families in there in the 90s and they're still there and their children make up the the hundred that yeah <laughs> they're yep. there now in 10 yep. years and that that's probably exactly what it is it it shows you that it it's a nice community to live in and uh, you know long-term residents there which means it's a good community and, and you know you wonder why 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 is this important to this story let me tell you why because we're telling you that we're not talking about a community of a bunch of hill jacks. Okay? Right. Right. You know, these aren't people that were just going to make up some story about a monster uh, attacking a bunch of people. They, this was a a respected community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this this area. I mean, it 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 was very very nice. Right. Um, right. not the area you would expect for something like this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It, very unexpected for that area. So let's look at the lake where this monster was seen. So it's called Lake Worth. Well, it's an artificial lake. And like I said, it was on the northwestern edge of Fort Worth, uh, in Tarrant County. And the lake was formed by a dam that was completed in 1916 on the West Fork of the Trinity River. So, Matt, you know what the fish said when he ran into a brick wall? Damn. <laughs> Sorry, had to. Man, you could have used that one at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I should have, but I just thought of it now when I mentioned that a dam was built. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you live and you learn. That's so, right. <laughs> Lake Worth actually provides municipal water and recreation for the Fort Worth area. Since construction of the dam, the lake's capacity has been increased from 21,800 acre-feet to 33,600 acre-feet through the construction of nearby Eagle Mountain and Bridgeport Reservoirs and, and the purchase of water from Benbrook Reservoir. So the drainage area above the dam, including the area drained by Eagle Mountain and Bridgeport Reservoirs, was increased from 200 square miles to 2,064 square miles. So we're not talking about a tiny little lake here. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty decent sized lake. So Lake Worth is surrounded by other residential areas in addition to Fort Worth. Uh, White Settlement and Carswell Air Force Base are south of its southern shore. And the community of Lake Worth lies to the east and Lakeside is near its western shore. So a number of city parks dot the shoreline and Fort Worth National Fish Hatchery actually occupies an area that's just past the uh, lake's dam. So the local terrain around it is mostly flat to some, uh, you know, rolling uh, kind of hills that are surfaced by sandy clay loam that supports juniper and oak trees, brush, chaparral, cacti, and grasses. And that, made, when it said it's mostly flat, that made me think of, that old joke that if you're out in West Texas, you can watch your dog run away from home for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. 
See that dot over there? That's my dog. He ran away last week. Um, now let's look at some of the animals and and fish and stuff that would be in and around this lake to kind of get an idea of what wildlife is there, what wildlife the inhabitants of Lake Worth Village have seen. They know these animals, and they you know most of them have a pretty good uh, idea of what these things look like. So the predominant fish species in Lake Worth are white crappie, largemouth bass, spotted bass, white bass, catfish, bluegill sunfish, green sunfish, and they stock rainbow trout in the winter. So okay. a pretty, I mean, this is a good fishing lake. And yeah. after doing this research, guess where Adam's going fishing? I have needed a new <laughs> fishing spot. I think I just found it because these yeah. are, these are all fish species that I would eat the heck out of. So, plus it's pretty even, clean even water. Even the bluegills, huh? Oh yeah, I'd eat bluegill. Um, but a side note: this here, here's a little redneck factoid for you. If you catch a bluegill, the best way to do it: take the scales off of it, then you take the guts out, and just throw the whole thing in the pan. Just bones and all. Bones and all, because. The bones are soft enough where even if you get one, not that big a deal. You can just crunch it up and eat it. But it's real easy to take a fork and slide the meat off the ribs after you fry it. So much easier than trying to fillet the stupid thing. If you ever try to fillet a bluegill, you'll pull your hair out. That's actually what happened to Matt. He tried to fillet a mess of bluegill. <laughs> now, see, that's why I asked. I was, like, what? You know, was there any meat on a bluegill? Yeah. Why would you even bother? Yep. Apparently, so, yeah. Yep. Just pan fry it. Put it in a cast iron skillet after you gut it and scale it, and you'll be doing good. It's good. Good eating. Sweet. Mm. So, anyway, back to the uh, research and Jeez, not. Don't don't tell Brooks, man. He'll be. <laughs> he'll be begging to go down and go fishing and and he's like we're gonna have bluegill for supper yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell him he needs to catch at least three per person if they're <laughs> yeah. if they're normal size because they yeah there's not a lot of meat but it's good eating now some of the animals that are around lake worth here obviously since it's texas there are farms where there's cattle goats and horses that are kept and it that's sporadically around the area um, now, the known wild animals that are around there, armadillos, bats, beavers, bobcats, coyotes, deer, foxes, possums, rabbits, raccoons, skunks, squirrels. Now, there are some alligators that live in the DFW area, so mm -hmm. it's possible that they could potentially get into Lake Worth from time to time because they do migrate. There's not, there's not like a population of alligators in Lake Worth, but there are some alligators around DFW. So mm -hmm. you might run into a, a alligator that wandered over there, but I, I wouldn't worry about swimming. You're not, it's not like Florida, you know, <laughs> yeah. where every, every body it's of water teeming with alligators, yeah, every body of water, including chlorinated pools have alligators in them. That That's not here, but yeah. it's a possibility. So I want to bring that up since we're talking about the animals that potentially you could run into around Lake Worth. Yep. Okay. So according to the story, okay, um, this, this Lake Worth monster or, or the goat man or, or whatever, uh, 
it can swim. Mm-hmm. It can climb trees. It eats fish and chickens. It's about seven feet tall, and it has what is described as unhuman strength. Now, some reports will will say it's got horns sprouting from its head, which gives it the goat-like appearance. Right. Okay. Now, when when we start, you know, when we give you the description, Adam just told you the animals that are common around Lake Worth, you know, a seven-foot bipedal goat is not on the list. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh, but also not on the list is anything that sounds remotely like this or that could potentially be mistaken for this. Right. And when I was looking it up, like Matt said, it it's a strong swimmer. It's bipedal. But one of the things I ran into is that the noises that it makes, it doesn't sound like any animal that you would run into, like a coyote or a bobcat. It either has this deep growl, which I guess could be a, a coyote or bobcat, but it makes this what they described as a pitiful sound, like it was getting attacked, where it's mm-hmm. like a yeep. Or a you cry, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really weird. But think about other cryptids we've talked about that make mm-hmm. that noise, and and that'll come in later, especially as well the foul odor. Apparently, it's got a foul odor right. that accompanies it. Yeah. So, so back then, back in in sixty nine, the area around Greer Island wasn't gated off like it is now, okay? And teenagers could go down to the shoreline road around the lake to be alone and hang out in the summer, okay? So it was it was like a makeout spot. Hang out in quotes. Okay? Just hang out, you know. Um, you know, people come up there, you'd park, you'd, you know, meet up with all your friends and, and have a good time. I'm sure some people were literally letting it all hang out. <laughs> yeah, why I mean, not? It was the know. 60s. Come on. <laughs> and the island is it it's not exactly an island. It's it's actually got a little road that goes out to it. Um but it's just you know, it, it, for all other purposes, it's it's a little island. Right. Um but on July 9th, a group of three couples were parked uh out by a clearing on Greer Island. Around midnight, a beast reportedly leapt onto their car from the trees above. Now, the monster also tried to grab one of the girls, but they were able to speed off before it could pull her away. Now, at the time, the police said, uh, and this is a quote, we've had reports about this thing for two months. Now, this was by a police dispatcher talking to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. It says, but we've always laughed them off as pranks. So before the actual major event, the police are saying, yeah, we've been hearing stuff like this for two months. And that that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And I mean, I get it. Initially, I would think it was a hoax too. Sure. Or just a prank, whatever. But you get those calls, and then you get something like this where somebody was a, essentially attacked 
Well, now, now you've got to do something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when witness John Reichert showed police an 18 inch gash in his car's side. And with the police seeing the terrified nature of these witnesses telling this story, they decided that they would open up a full investigation. Uh-huh. Now, it appeared in the newspaper the next day, and the area just immediately was electric. I mean, it, it's, it's go time. <laughs> you know, yeah. Here we go. So truckloads of men with guns headed towards Greer Island to hunt this thing. Spectators came out in droves to try and just catch a glimpse of it. Reporters came in, and and here were the police who are supposed to be investigating what this thing is and if it's dangerous. And they're, and they're trying to keep the peace with all these people that have flooded this area. Huh. Now, Rick Pratt, who was the director of Greer Island Nature Center at the time, remembers folks coming out with wine, whiskey, and beer <laughs> just to have a good time and hunt for the creature. Because that's yeah. what you do, you know. Hey, you know, hey, let's go hang out and see if we see the monster. That's a yeah. very Texas thing. Let's go out and <laughs> make an evening of monster hunting. That's, I love it. Yeah. Well, and Pratt even said, he's like, here was a Sasquatch of our own. You know, mm-hmm. he said it was a party. You know, we're going to come out and we're going to have a good time with it. Sure. You know, we've, we've got our own Bigfoot. But on the afternoon of July 10th of, of that year, the Star-Telegram's front page carried a headline above the fold that said, Fishy Man Goat Terrifies Couples Parked at Lake Worth. <laughs> Fishy Man Goat. Fishy Man Goat. Okay? I love we're, it. We're going to get into that. Uh, but yeah, that's what the headline said. So that night of July 10th, a few dozen people were at a clearing Known for dumping, okay? This is people would go and secretly dump their trash. Oh, not taking a um, dump. Yeah, right near the lake where the monster made another appearance, okay? So this is now two nights in a row. It appeared on a cliff, and the witnesses said that it looked very angry. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people in its home. That's right. I would be angry too. But this is this is the kicker. It threw a tire with the rim still attached. Yep. What witnesses say was about 500 feet. Yeah. You try to do that. Go pick up a tire with the rim attached and see how far you throw it. You can't throw it five feet. (laughs) Listen, I want want to put this in perspective. Okay. Because it... Well, you know, to finish my 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 thought here, it, it says that when that happened, everybody, even the police, bolted. Mm-hmm. You know, they ran because they they realized real quick whatever's up there is way stronger than us. Right, right. But a football field, okay, a football field, not counting the end zones, is three hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tack the end zones on. And that's another 30 feet at each end. So 360 feet would be from the end line of a football field all the way to the other goalpost. Right. Okay. Imagine throwing anything that far. Mm -hmm. I mean, it don't matter what it is. 
I couldn't throw, I couldn't throw, you know, a, a glider plane that far, um, much less a tire with the rim on it. And, and they're saying 500 feet. I want you to just imagine this, a creature picking up something, anything and throwing it at the end of a football field. And it's sailing the entire length of the field plus another 140 feet. Yeah. Past the, or at least at the top row of the ends, uh, the stands or something. Yeah. I mean, you got realize that there are baseball players that they, they do not hit 500 foot home runs. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how far they're talking about. So that right there immediately gives me a little bit of pause, but I, I think it's okay because the way this played out, there was a lot of fear that was that was there. I mean, I know there were a lot of excitement, and I know there were a bunch of people there that were like, I'm not scared of this thing. You know, we're going to come out here and have a good time, and we're going to find this thing. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to mount it on my wall. But then faced with the actual, you know, creature, everybody says, yeah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is serious. So I think the distance was probably exaggerated. Probably, <laughs> yeah. But still, try throwing a, a wheel of a vehicle and Any see how distance. far it goes. Any distance. Yeah. And and this thing threw it. And not only that, had it hit anybody, it would have probably it would have it would have injured them really bad or it could have killed them. Right. I mean, right. you know, that it's we're not talking about something lightweight here. Um, now Adam mentioned this earlier, but this actually comes from a reporter named Jack Harris about that squall or howl or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and he described it as this pitiful cry. Like it was being hurt, which, you know, doesn't fit with any of the other animals that we've discussed. I mean, bobcats can make some really weird noises Mm -hmm. if they're, if they're being territorial with other bobcats, but that's not something that just happens all the time. Right. You just, you know, hear that. And it, it sounds more like a scream or something. I it's it's a it's a different sound entirely. Like a a woman crying or a Mm -hmm. a baby screaming screaming or something not not what they described yeah now one of the one of the spectators who went to lake worth that summer was a lady named sally ann clark now uh sally was an aspiring writer and a private investigator who pretty well dropped everything to go and interview people for what would become uh her slightly tongue-in-cheek book, The Lake Worth Monster of Greer Island, which was published in September of 1969. That's fast. Yeah. Yep. So this thing happened on July 9th in 69, and she's published a book about it in September. Yeah, two months later. That's crazy. She is moving. Yep. Moving to get that done and get it to a publisher and then actually put it out. Because, I mean, this wasn't like, you know, you can... You could publish stuff on the internet nowadays and, you know, an instant, you know, Mm -hmm. this was, you had to actually find somebody willing to buy your story and publish it, put it, put a cover on it and print it. And so she was successful. And according to Clark's book, the monster jumped on the hood 
of another fellow's car. And that man reported that he and two other men were out on the island looking for the creature. And it came up and jumped on the hood of their car. Now, when the creature landed on the hood, the man said that he swerved his car wildly about the road. So they were moving. And he said the monster did not let go until they crashed into a nearby tree. Now, this witness's name was Jim Stevens. And Jim reported that he himself was six foot four and the creature was easily much taller than him. Now, so Stevens, oh, go ahead. Keep all of that in mind. This, yeah. especially, especially this one that Matt is talking about, because I've got some stuff here coming up that I, I, when I start talking about it, I want you to remember what Matt just said. This is a moving vehicle. This creature jumped onto the hood of this moving vehicle and held on. Yeah. Plus, it was. Way taller than a six foot four dude. So right. keep all right. that in mind. Yeah. So Steven said that he figured the monster was at least seven foot tall. Um, maybe even taller than that. And other eyewitnesses claimed the monster had this half goat, half man appearance and was covered in fur and scales. So that's where we get the the fishy man goat. Mm-hmm. Okay, it had fur and scales. I, Doesn't make sense I, to me. I don't know how you have both. You know, I I get it being covered in fur. I could even get it being covered in scales, but both. Yeah, yeah. I, unless it was like half, like the top half was fur, the bottom half was scales. Or scaly arms and legs and furry torso. I don't know, but it says covered in. So yeah, and and part of it too is I, I'm I always when I hear scales, I'm always thinking fish, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily reptile. Sure, yeah. Um, that might make more sense if you think about it. Although although I don't know any furry reptiles either, but I could at least You've not say met that my uncle. It, then it may have had some type of scaly skin that wasn't covered with fur. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of gave that scaly appearance, but it, it doesn't end there. And you know what? It absolutely could. It absolutely could. And this would be a great legend, but Clark went on to say that she regretted the way she wrote her book because after she published it, she saw the monster herself on three different occasions. She said, if I'd seen it before I wrote the book, it wouldn't have been semi-fiction. And why it did your been, dumb butt rush to publish? I, 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 yeah. I, well, she Do, was capitalizing on that's it. That's true. Sure. Do your dang research, I mean, though. I mean. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, could have. Could have waited another few months and gotten a much better mm-hmm. book. So I can understand her regret. Um, but again, you know, this is young. This is going on. Everybody's excited. You yep, do it. Make that money. <laughs> but she said if it, it wouldn't have been semi-fiction. It would have been more like history. Um, and this was in an interview with the Star-Telegram in 1989. Um, she also has the most famous and perhaps the only photograph 
ever taken of the Lake Worth monster. Now, it was taken in October of 1969 at 1.15 a.m. near Greer Island. And both her descriptions and the photo show this large white something. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't really look like a goat at all. Um, And the gentleman, uh, Alan Plaster, the man who actually took the photo, um, he thinks himself that he was mistaken about what he saw all those years ago. Now, according to Plaster, he thinks what he witnessed was a hoax, and he was most likely the victim of someone playing a prank. Now, Plaster was quoted in 2006 um, by saying, looking back, I realized that when we drove by, it stood up. He was, uh, whatever it was, it wanted to be seen. That was a prank. That was somebody out there waiting for people to drive by. I don't think an animal would have acted that way. And Alan Plaster no longer accepts interview requests regarding the photo or the incident. Yeah, but now, we'll, keeping, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this more about what I think about that. Yeah. Um, but I think Adam thinks the same way. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, it's still, it's not over. Stuff's still going on. A few weeks later, several ranchers found the bodies of a number of sheep that had been mutilated. Now, this event added even more fuel to the monster fire. During the next weeks of summer, people saw the creature running through the grass. They found tracks that were way too big to be a man and more reports of dead sheep and blood. So the goat man was a celebrity now. I mean, he he had a lot of notoriety. He's been on the front page of the newspaper and a local sculptor even carved his likeness. A woman wrote a book about an encounter with the goat man. And it's just. He's more famous than us. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't even have a podcast. Come on. And not only that, it didn't stay local. Reporters came from New York and Los Angeles, and the story was carried in newspapers around the world. The, the goat man's every move was news. Um, it, all in all, more than 70 people claimed to have seen the goat man. But the goat man sightings decreased dramatically by September. Just about the time that school started. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that kind of points, wants to point you towards these were high school kids because now they're back in school. They don't have time to screw around like this. And in 2005, a reporter at the Star-Telegram received a handwritten letter with no name, and no return address. It read in part, quote, one weekend, Myself and two friends from Northside High School decided to go out to Lake Worth and scare people on the roads where there were always stories of monsters and creatures who would attack Parkers. The writer claimed to have used an old gorilla suit and and tinfoil to make a mask to scare a truckload of girls. The kids decided to retire their monster to avoid prosecution or being shot. But there's still no explanation for the mutilated sheep 
or how a tire could be thrown 500 feet like a Frisbee. Now, there's no proof that the monster exists, but there's no proof that it doesn't either or that it didn't at this time. I mean, we don't have any current sightings, so you would think if, if, it, if it's still around, it's, it's hidden very, very well. Um, but this legend, I mean, it's still got legs. Yep. I mean, people still talk about it. People still know about it. They celebrate it all from these, the, the, you know, this period of a few months in 1969. Right. Right. Now, some of the things I was going to talk about, Matt, and you touched on some of them, but I'm going to, I'm going to double touch because we need to discuss this a little deeper. There, there's been a lot of quote unquote explanations mm-hmm. that have come up for the Lake Worth monster. And like you just said a second ago that uh, we both kind of have our thoughts on at least one of these scenarios, but I want to look at that tire being thrown thing. Mm-hmm. Tire being thrown 500 feet or whatever. Okay. Like you said, it's probably exaggerated. But there was an explanation that came out that I don't think should explain this, but people are sticking by this as the explanation for that. Yeah. So it says the creature hurling a tire was found out to actually be a man. So he calls himself Vinzens, I guess, to avoid any publicity or, or people yelling at him or anything. Well, in 2009, apparently he admitted that he was involved with the tire throwing. He claims that he was rolling a tire along with some friends, and then it hit a bump and went into the air, eventually landing close to the bystanders. Now, here's my problem with that, Matt. Before that, there had been some noises and stuff made mm-hmm. by this creature off in the distance. Right. So everybody was looking in that direction. Mm-hmm. Would they completely miss three or four kids rolling an inflated tire on a rim down the road? And I know. I've rolled tires myself, but they're always off the rim. I don't get a fully inflated, like a spare tire off my car and just go rolling it down the road with some buddies. Maybe they did in 69. I don't know. But Mm. do you think looking in that direction that they would have missed two to four kids pushing a tire down the street? And then when it bounced, they would exaggerate it that much to 500 feet. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't see how it would, even if it's up on a cliff, how it would have enough. I mean, it would, it would have to have some serious speed and hit a bump at the exact right spot to launch it Mm -hmm. like that. But the other thing was, like you said, there was a lot of noise and people saw, they actually said they saw the creature. Now, could they have said they saw it when they didn't really see it or they saw something and they're not a hundred percent sure? Of course. Sure. You know, we've seen that before. Um, 
But it, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think they would have been able to discern that's not a creature that some kids up there playing around and either messing with us or it just looked like they were messing with us. You know, the tire flies off the cliff. Okay. But I don't, I don't think that you absolutely run people off in panic with this happening. Right. Right. Especially police. Right. So they had to have seen something, mm-hmm. something up there. I mean, even if the kid, if the wheel got away from them and the kids were way far behind it trying to catch up and then they see it go over the cliff and they're like, oh crap, there's people down there. They're going to be quiet. They're going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't want to get in trouble, so they're going to leave. Yeah. They're you not going to start screaming. Not, yeah. They're not going to do something to try to scare all these people that have come out. Right. And. And how many kids do you know that the night before there was a reports of a monster attacking somebody? How many kids do you know that are going to be able to get out and just decide, hey, let's go screw around in these woods where this monster might well, be? I know when I was a kid, if that had come up, there's no way my parents would let me out of the house. Not- I wouldn't have wanted to go. Well, that's true. So another another thing, we, we talked about the hoaxing and Matt mentioned it too. Um, but now KDFW, which is a Fox owned television station in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They did this lengthy report in November of 1999 about the Lake Worth monster. And it interviewed some of those who saw it, such as reporter Jim Mars and Sally Ann Clark that Matt mentioned. The report announced that some high school students admitted to the police that they had pranked people by dressing up in a gorilla suit and parading around the lake in 1969. Mm-hmm. So here's here here's my I have a couple thoughts on this. Now, one is yes, I can see kids after the reports have happened, several days later, they go out and they find a gorilla suit and they say, wouldn't it be funny to capitalize on this monster hysteria and prank some people? So Mm -hmm. I I can see that as a thing, but I don't think that they would be the impetus for this legend. I think they would capitalize on it. Like you were talking the, the one that stood up and as it was going by, yeah, that could hundred percent be, a hoax by somebody trying and, to capitalize on that story. And I agree. I think Alan Plaster is probably exactly right. Because if you look at this photo, this photo looks like nothing. Right. Okay. This photo looks like a big white blur. I mm-hmm. mean, if it's a person, it's a person with a furry sheet on them. Yep. Um, and that's it. Uh, so I, I think Plaster's probably right. That's exactly what he took a picture of. So, you just kind of take the the photograph and plaster story out of the equation. Right. Okay. Because it was a more isolated incident there. You know, you just remove that and then look at what's left. Right. And you've got to look at the goat mutilations. And then you've got to look at, like I said, remember this story that Matt told. Do you think that some high school students would be able to pull off something where they looked like they were seven foot tall. They jumped out of a tree onto a moving vehicle. 
and rode that vehicle until it wrecked and then get up with no injuries and be fine. Mm-hmm. And now, now this is granted if that story is true. Right. But if that story and that encounter is true, then I don't see how this could be the high school students pranking people. Right. It, it, yeah, it, me either. It doesn't fit. that. Okay, yeah. You're stupid. As a kid, you're stupid. I was stupid when I was a mm-hmm. teenager. I did some stupid stuff. I jumped on a roof of houses. I rode my bicycle off of my buddy's roof into his swimming pool. I mean, we did stupid stuff. I would never think, okay, I'm going to go stand in a tree and jump on the hood of a moving vehicle and grab on and go ooga, booga, 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 booga in the windshield. So right. to me, you got to, you got to take out the pranking on that encounter as well. Like I said, yes, I, I would be, I would put money on the fact that yes, high school students did Use that as a way to prank people. After mm-hmm. the stories came out, they went out there too. But that does show the stupidity of it because one of my thoughts was there are a lot of hunters in and around DFW. <laughs> That's right. I, I know personally that there are a lot of hunters. So why would you think it'd be a good idea to get out in an animal suit that was scaring people and not expect to at least get shot at. I mean, somebody out, even at that point, if somebody's out like squirrel hunting or dove hunting, which they wouldn't be dove hunting or squirrel hunting at night, but you know what I'm saying? But they would have a gun. Yeah. Most likely Mm -hmm. they would have a firearm that, you know, they would defend themselves if they felt threatened. Sure. Sure. So by a large animal. Right. even if you're a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid and, and you dream up this funny thing to do, you've you've got to think at some point, I hope we don't get shot. Yeah. And probably those <laughs> those kids in 1969 in Texas were probably hunters themselves or their yeah. dads were or something. So they they understood this. It's not like they were oblivious to the fact that there's people that might be out hunting or could be out hunting this monster with a firearm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't put it past them, but I don't think it answers all of the, the sightings, nor does it begin the sightings. Yeah. Um, and another thing, there was a, a spokesperson for the Fort Worth museum of natural history. Matt, this is the one that, I prefaced before we started recording and I said, this person needs to be smacked because he (laughs) said that witnesses had seen a common bobcat. Okay. Like we said, maybe the sounds. Okay. I'll give you that. Maybe, I mean, like you said, bobcats make some weird noises. I've heard them make some weird noises, but the, the key word to this is they saw, they had seen a bobcat. Do you think that a bobcat could get turned into a seven-foot-tall, white, <laughs> bipedal, maybe hairy, maybe scaled creature? 
Do you think that's possible? Even with the way eyewitness testimony is not really that reliable in most scenarios, do you think it could get twisted that much to go from a bobcat to 30 people getting scared by a giant bipedal white hominid? Yeah. No, I, I don't. I, I think of of the larger animals that are on that list, bobcat is probably one of the least yep. uh, likely. Just because I can't, I can't see a bobcat being big enough mm-hmm. to. I mean, I've seen bobcats. I mean, I, I I know. I mean, they you they can get bigger. They don't get big enough to be mistaken for a, a seven foot tall creature. Right. Right. I mean, you know. When's the, the last uh, time you saw a bobcat walking on its hind legs, too? Yeah, never. Yeah. You know, never. Um, and then, of course, you know, if it, if it's a deer or something like that, I think most people, like you said, there's plenty of hunters around there. Um, you're we, familiar with the wildlife. We you're, know our deer. Gonna, yeah. So. Yeah. You're going to know. I mean, even if it's a buck that gives you a this impression that this thing has horns you're still gonna know right you're still gonna be able to tell that's just a deer don't get excited right that deer's not gonna throw a tire it's not gonna throw a tire and it's not gonna leave the large tracks that you mentioned which were 16 inches long and eight inches wide at the toe yeah i mean that you know what that sounds like to me that sounds like my favorite bipedal cryptid which Mm. is bigfoot that's right and some people have actually claimed that the Lake Worth monster was a rare albino Bigfoot. And hmm. I like you all know, I believe Bigfoot is a thing and it's out there. Bigfoot is in Texas. There are a lot of stories from Texas of Bigfoot. Right. So, and we know albinism is a, a thing that happens in all creatures. All creatures can develop the gene to be albino. So it's possible that an albino Bigfoot could be the cause for this. And then the descriptions of the horns and the scales, that is all the eyewitness mistaken identity thing that happens. The telephone game, Mm -hmm. when you tell somebody something and then it, it exaggerates and changes, but now I'm not saying that I a hundred percent believe that that's what it is, but right. if we're talking, this is actually something this was seen, this creature was there. Then my bet goes toward a lone albino Bigfoot because in nature, a lot of times something yeah. like albinism is seen as a detriment to the species of an animal because they can't camouflage themselves. They, they get attacked by predators and they usually will push these creatures out and away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So possibly it was an albino Bigfoot that got separated from its group and it lived for a short period of time around Lake Worth and then it died. And that's why mm-hmm. there's no more sightings of it. There wasn't any more. He accidentally wandered into Lake Worth and went, oh, crap, there's people here. (laughs) And they saw him. They had that few month thing where he was trying to figure out what to do. And then he left. And is it 
is it bad that looking at this that I think the most logical explanation is an albino Bigfoot? <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's it's but, the one that actually makes the most sense if yeah. you just kind of open your mind to it. All the other explanations, I'm like, these are some of the worst explanations I've heard. Yeah, okay. they're worse than an owl in some <laughs> sense. And I, and I got to thinking about, you know, Jim Stevens, the guy that wrecked this car, you know, the, the thing jumped on the hood of his car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, so just playing devil's advocate. What, what if, what if he just, let's say they'd been drinking. They accidentally wrecked their car. They're coming to the police. We got to tell them a story. We can't tell them we've been drinking. If this is the story that you come up with. Yeah. To tell a police officer to hide the fact that you, you know, were dumb enough to 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 do some drinking and then drive your car into a tree. Right. And you're going to tell them recent story or not that this giant monster jumped out of the tree and landed on the hood of your car, caused you to crash or you had to crash just to get it off of there. I mean, if I'm that officer, I'm looking at them like, all right, all right. You you know, you're all coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. you know, let, let's see those wrists. We're uh -huh. going to take a ride and we're going to sort this out. Yep. Check out okay? my bracelets here. We're, they we're don't gonna... just go, oh, oh, yeah, okay. They're, so they had to seem legitimately afraid of what had just happened to them. And, you know, a, a police officer has at least got to see a, a, some sparkle of truth in what they're saying. Yeah, right. To, to not just go get shut up and get in the car. You know, I'm taking you, I'm taking you <laughs> right, to the station. Right. So, so, you know, every way you look at that particular story, you just, you can always find something that just doesn't quite make sense as to, you know, that this was a part of the hoax or this was a made up story or that it completely didn't happen. Um, it was just kind of like, why? I mean, I mean, you know, you, you couldn't come up with anything better than yeah, this. Exactly. You, yeah. Why was that what you went to, to try to talk your way out of a, a drunk ticket? Yeah. And you know what? I mean, this is, this is pre cell phone day. Hmm. This car didn't have North star. Right. I mean, they probably had plenty of time, you know, oh, to yeah. come up with a story before they ever had to speak to a police officer. Especially out there on that island where there was yeah. probably not many people at that time of night. Yeah. So you spent, what, 30 minutes and you and your drunk buddy, all you come up with is, man, there was this goat man thing that jumped out of a tree and landed on my car. I think even I mean, drunk as a skunk, you're going to realize that ain't a good uh, a good explanation for it. Yeah, even though part of your story was that you were out there hunting it, you know, looking for it. I, I still, I, I don't, I don't buy that. That you know, that I think, I, I think something really did happen. I yeah. don't, I'm not saying I know what, but I think something really did happen, and and it caused them to crash that car, and it scared them pretty bad. Just like the the original couples, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's gas in them. the vehicle, right? And I mean, why? If you're a hoax, look. If I'm gonna pull a hoax, and at some point, the people I'm working with go, "All right, Matt, 
we're going to put an, uh, an 18-inch gash down the side of your car. I'd be like, the hell you are. Well, yeah, right. It's not worth that. <laughs> Does your dad own a body shop? No. Yeah. You're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you you wouldn't do something like that yourself. Right. Um, if if you accidentally wrecked your car and you were kind of, kind of, or you ran into something, scraped against something, again, why, why even involve the police? Mm-hmm. In this, you know, I just go home and come up with a, you know, a, a better story of, uh, you know, that I, I, somebody said something and I wasn't, and I looked and all of a sudden I was there and there was a mailbox and yep. there, you know, a deer ran out in front of me and I had to swerve I, to miss the any, deer and anything, anything yep. other than we were attacked, you know, by this seven foot goat creature. Right. Right. So, I mean, it. We're we're not telling you what to believe. We're just telling you, look, the explanations for what this most likely was are crap. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. They're crap. And you you dissect this story and it just boils down to something happened during the, those those few days to months between July 9th and September of nineteen sixty-nine. Right. And and we we don't know what we probably won't know what it's fun to talk about it that's why adam and i are discussing it but you know it, it's even it's even more funny that they've come up with all these ridiculous explanations to yeah. keep people from thinking there was actually a lake worth monster yep. and <laughs> and that's my thing is we see this in a lot of cryptozoology tales is the skeptics or as i've said before the cynics and mm-hmm. I got, I got yelled at by an online person for saying something similar to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think it it's the unwillingness to believe that something unknown could have happened. And so we grab the lowest hanging fruit, despite the idiocy of that fruit. Mm-hmm. And we will stick to that, and, and and that's the hill you're dying on, mm-hmm. that it was a, a bobcat standing on two legs, or it was uh, everything was these teenagers, and they're just very acrobatic and tough, mm-hmm. and, and they also should go to jail for animal cruelty because of the killing of those goats, mm-hmm. so... But I think it's just, I don't know what happened. I, I and, and I'm, unlike other encounters, I'm not willing to say that I would put money on the fact that this was like an albino Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. But I think something did happen that is unexplained. And... Mm-hmm. All of the, quote, explanation, the debunking of, like you said, is crap. It, yeah. It's it's all worthless blabber because nobody can disprove, really, that that happened. We can't prove it either, but you yeah. can't disprove it. And so to try to disprove it, you're going to latch on to anything that seems plausible. Yeah. And I 
I'm okay with saying <laughs> something happened. I don't yeah. know what it was, but something happened. I'm not one that can, I have to have an explanation for it. I like the mystery of it. Yeah. So yeah. my thought is something happened. Now, yeah. I'll dip the toe in the albino Bigfoot waters and say perhaps that's what it was. Or it was some weird portal opened and this thing came in and then it disappeared a couple months later. I don't know. Yeah. But it's not the explanations given by the debunkers. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it's not. And and is and is strange as that sounds like i said it it seems it seems more reasonable than what what we've got to go on but what do you guys think do you do you agree with us do you think something really did happen we don't know what it is but it's not one of these explanations or or do you have another idea do you did you grow up in that area do you live in that area now like i said i think if if you're from texas you've probably heard this um, but I, I, I had never heard it, but it was very interesting to look into it. it. And, and all of the side stuff that goes along with it, the book that came out way too quick. Yeah. Um, you know, just all, all of these other little nuances to the story, you know, the fact that it became a, a global phenomena, just, you know, by the media pushing that story out there, it's incredible, but let us know what you think about it. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Just go on Facebook, search Graveyard Tales. You're going to find our group. It's called The Graveyard. You know, we've got oh, seven, 8,000 members in there, and it's growing every day. And, and we, share, we share jokes. We share personal experiences. You know, good old-fashioned ghost stories or that, that creepy thing that was out of the woods. It, it came out of the woods at your grandparents' house, you know, when you were a kid, all that stuff. We want to hear them, and so does everybody else. And it's make a good, sure safe place to share those stories. Make sure you answer the questions. There is to get in. It's real simple. You just have to acknowledge that you read the group rules. Yeah. But I and I only say this because there are a lot of people that will request to join the group, but do not answer the questions. So we can't approve them because we don't know if they're a bot. We don't know what it is. So please right. just scan them, answer that question. It's one question, and yeah. then then we'll let you in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget to check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show, and you can sign up to be a patron. Uh, we've already talked about tonight how, how much we appreciate you guys that uh, – are supporters of the show, mm -hmm. um, not just by listening, but by, by donating your hard-earned money. It means so much to Adam and I, and it keeps us going. Um, there's a lot of bonus content in there. So if you want to jump in there, now is a great time. Um, I think that's all I got, brother. But this, yep. was, this was a lot of fun. I it was a lot it. of fun. It's fun talking <laughs> about stuff. Talking that about Crazy stuff in Adam's backyard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm, we may go by there this weekend. So who knows? Uh, if we do, I'll give you an update. All right. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.